You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. We both, on both the band and the label side, it was, there was no sort of um, argument really about this. We both decided, look, if we're not going to be able to tour to back up this, this is our first album on, with you guys. We want to do well for you. And they obviously were like, this is the same back. Um, so we very quickly decided to postpone stuff. Um, I think originally it was a sort of three or four months pos- postponement, see, because obviously no one was really expecting things to go on for a, a good year, year and a half, I don't think, at first. Um, so yeah it just got pushed back a couple of times but then to the point where the, I think we just sat down with them at the end of last year and was just like look even if we can't talk we need to get <laughs> this out because people need to hear it and we've we've been sat on this for two years now almost sort of thing so hey what's up Vox and Hops heads I'm Matt the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops metal podcast brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Hope you had a glorious weekend, because I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I have teamed up with them to bring you the first edition of Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. That's right, a metal and craft beer festival is happening on December 17th at Corona Theatre here in Montreal. Performing that night is my band Cryptopsy alongside my friends In the Agonist, The Great Sabatini, Necrotic Mutation, and Burning the Oppressor. All night long, you will be able to enjoy killer craft beers from some of Quebec's best breweries, such as BG Brasserie Urbaine, Massorum Brassatorium, Brasserie du Bas-Canada, Sir John Brewing Company, Saint-Kin, Baro and Brassaro de Montréal. I am so excited for Brutal Montreal to arrive. If you want to come to this show, I gotta tell you, the tickets are flying. They're selling extremely, extremely quickly. So if you want to come to Brutal Montreal, you should absolutely pick up your tickets via the link in the description of this podcast. I am so stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, and I can't wait for Brutal Montreal. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life, someone that just loves music, not necessarily a metalhead, not necessarily someone that likes extreme music, just that person in your life that is just so into music, tell them about the podcast. You can tell them that there are over 300 episodes with some of the world's best musicians for them to listen to on their favorite podcast platform. And I ask questions to go behind the persona to discover who the human is that is creating this awesome music. If you were to encourage one of your friends to become a future Vox and Hopshead, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Daniel Barter of Dune. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 308. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Daniel Barter of Dune. He plays guitar and is a vocalist in that band. Very, very stoked to be with you. Um, 
how are you doing? Let's start with that. Cheers. Yeah, uh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Uh, thanks a lot for, for having us on. This is awesome. Absolutely. It had to happen because uh, ever since uh, I started listening to your new release, Edaman Ainka, did I say that right? You did. That's fine. Excellent. <laughs> I meant to ask you before we started recording. And as I was about to say, it, I was like, oh, I hope I don't murder this album's name which i love love the record so very stoked to have a chat with you let's start i like to start dark and then move towards the light Uh, (laughs) let's talk about how you coped uh throughout this time uh at home uh being locked in uh getting released uh getting told to calm down again how did you cope with 2020 which is now lingering into 2021 i mean yeah um 2020 wasn't the wasn't the best of years for us but um I mean, so band-wise, I mean, personally, coped all right. It, it sucked being away from music for this long. Um, same with the with the band. Um, I mean, I think we, what, so this album, we fin- we actually finished recording that summer 2019. Okay. So 2020, we were good to go. Good to go with the album, good to go with touring. Everything was set. And then, obviously, COVID hit. Um, and so that all got pretty much cancelled and postponed for the year. So, same boat as everyone else, no gigs, no playing, um, has majorly sucked. But, I mean, we've all stayed healthy. We've all, none of us had anything too bad happen during COVID. So, on that front, we were like, blast on that. But, um, yeah, music-wise, music, music wise, it's uh, it's not been the best year for everyone. But, um, well, I mean, we've stayed busy. Um, we've been working on there's a few videos we've managed to do in the meantime working on a couple of live sessions things like that um i've upped my video editing skills quite a bit from uh from uh editing a load of extra footage and bits and pieces together so yeah i've been staying busy um but very very much looking forward to getting back into into playing now that stuff's opened up again especially because you guys were you know getting signed to metal blade this is your big release right so. yeah right so i mean that went through whilst we were recording still so i think we're finally really? final, so really finalizing cool. that sort of yeah yeah so that was that was awesome um so we're finalizing all of that and i think the original plan of was a sort of spring 2020 release and then really okay tour in the summer um but then as sort of january february came around um we both on both the band and the label side it was there was no sort of um, argument really about this we both decided look if we're not going to be able to tour to back up this this is our first album on with you guys we want to do well for you and they obviously were like this the same back um so we very quickly decided to postpone stuff um i think originally it was a sort of three or four months postponement see because obviously no one was really expecting things to go on for a good year year and a half i don't think at first <laughs> um, so yeah, it just got pushed back a couple of times, but then to the point where the, I think we just sat down with them at the end of last year and was just like, look, even if we can't talk, we need to get <laughs> this out because people need to hear it. And we've we've been sat on this for two years now, almost sort of thing. So. Which is very difficult to, to create something. And a lot of time goes into creating a record and it's a long record. So it's not yeah, like a yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 minute album banger. A cryptopsy album we hit 38 minutes we're like that's it we did it we're done no you guys go all in on this there's many tracks they're all you know eight minute plus so it takes time to create that and then you took time to record that and then you had to sit on it for oh yeah yeah i mean we yeah as i say yeah 18 months i think 
Um, like there were a couple of tracks from it, so I think the last sort of gigs we were playing were around was uh, November mm. November 2019. We played out in, Pol- <laughs> out in Poland, so we put we would, at that point there were a couple of tracks from it that were already in the live set as well. So like we were ready to. Like obviously, as mm-hmm. you say, we'd spent so much time with these tracks, and there was still a bit of work to do to transpose them from sort of album to the live sort of performance because there always is. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, you're very invested in it, and yeah, I think we'd, especially with this album, we'd spent about eight, twelve weeks overall in the studio with it. So wow, okay. Um, but as I say, um, Metal Blade were really supportive throughout the whole thing. Obviously, for them. They had no idea what was going on with the world either at that point, um, and yeah, they've been they've been fantastic throughout it. Very supportive of and supporters when wanting to do music videos, bits and pieces like that, just to keep the sort of momentum going with stuff. And uh, and now it's out there, so um, we can just finally be a bit more positive about it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and it's a monstrous album. Love it, love it. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, what beers do you have on your side that we're going to be sharing today virtually, Daniel? So it's quite a nice sunny day here, so I've gone for a couple of local uh, sours. Um, I've got... Obviously, your viewers won't be able to see, uh, but I've got a one from Kirksville Brewery, which is just down the road from me, uh, which is called a, a Vedita Fruited Sour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's apparently, I've not tried this one before. I've tried some of their other beers, they're really good brewery. Uh, but this one is apparently a lime, pineapple, chili, coriander, and mint sour. So, Amazing. excited for this. This, this is one I'm going to crack first, I think. And then the second one is a Salty Kiss, which is from Magic Rock Brewing, who are also yes. Yorkshire-based, basically. Um, so I'll have, have this one I've tried before. It's very nice. can highly recommend that if you're into the sort of saltier, sour things. <laughs> a nice goza, yes. And the yeah, fruited yeah. sour, that's cool. It's cool that the fruited sour game has made its way to the UK. That makes me excited. The land of pure hand-pumped beer is succumbing <laughs> to the, the beer trend hypes, and that yeah, makes yeah, me definitely. happy. <laughs> On my side, I got this brand new beer from Belgil. Uh, it's their Keller Beer Lager. This is really cool because Belgil is basically a macro brewery, a big brewery here. Uh, one of the most independent macros that are going on, Belgil, uh, they've been brewing here in Montreal since 1988. Uh, but just recently, they opened up a craft sector, like a tiny tap house, where they brought in this really cool brewer called JP. And uh, he's been doing some phenomenal stuff. So this is their Keller Beer Lager. Uh, it's a, it says that it's 100% natural carbonation on it. Uh, it's cool. It's a 5.2%. Perfect beer for 11 a.m., right? Yeah, yeah. That's grand. <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a bit late here, but I think... Yeah, you're beating me on that. I'm only on... These are four. So it's fine. It's fine. Early afternoon. While I pour this out, I would love to hear about your very first beer, Daniel. Oof. Very first beer, as I crack this one as well. Um, so I'd like to say it was something cool, but I pr- probably it was more Foster's or Stella in a in a pack that someone's older than me has gone to a shop to buy in a high school party, you know. Um... Yeah, warm, warm cans of Stella. <laughs> Cheers and to then, those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, how about yourself? What was the first? Oh, it's a beer that doesn't exist anymore. It was a Lucky Lager. 
also a lager like this one. Um, it was horrible. It was warm. Is that a house party? I've, yeah. I've spoken about it a lot on the podcast. Uh, it was really fun. I'm still friends with the people that we drank with yeah. that night and learned to drink with. Um, I've grown since then. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, I mean, I think after, I think I progressed rapidly on to sort of more ales and stuff when I was about 17 or so. We had a lot of Sam Smith's pubs around here, uh, mm-hmm. which was grand a few venues. So that was the sort of, that's the sort of first nice beer I can remember drinking. So Sam Smith do, do a lot of like organic, everything they do is organic. Um, and they used to own, I don't know if they still do own a lot of bars, but they used to, there was a brewery and they used to own a lot of pubs and a couple of venues. The Bradford 1 in 12 used to go watch a lot of punk gigs there and that was all Sam Smith's and Iyengabrau Lager, which was uh, very good, but very strong. But uh, that's what you want when you go to see punk gigs when you're 16, I guess. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, this is a uh, nice, clean, it's got like a little honeyish feel to it. Uh, very drinkable. Um, it's wonderful. Cheers to you. Nice. Cheers. Mm. I'd love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth. Mm. When you were growing up in your parents or guardians' house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? So my parents would have been a lot of Pink Floyd, Peter Gabriel, mm-hmm. uh, Genesis, um, a bit of Runrig. If you know Runrig, maybe no, not. No. Runrig were like a Scottish... I'd say sort of pop in the sort of rock band in the early 90s. <laughs> but I don't think they made it much out of the UK. But yeah, a lot of sort of 70s, 70s, 80s prog hmm. um, with my mum and dad. Um, and then I had two older sisters and one of them was very much sort of into sort of indie and sort of punk at the time, which I think is where I started then going off off the curve as far as my parents were concerned a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good base to have to start with the progressive uh, rock scene like that, the gods of progressive rock. It's a good foundation for you to grow from. What band would have been your first band that didn't come from your parents, that didn't come from your sister, uh, something that you brought into the house that uh, either shocked them or they liked it, or what, what was your first love that didn't come from them? So I think what I would, I was, I'm a new metal kid. By heart, so, so I think 100%. I think excellent, excellent. It was a great time. <laughs> um, it's coming back. <laughs> but the one, the one that I can remember my parents first properly hating that I properly loved would have been Slipknot for sure. Mm. I think once once I was cutting out pictures of Slipknot and putting them on my bedroom wall, that's when my mum was sort of, oh, this is he's no longer listening to the Offspring, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We've lost them. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, was yeah. it about? What was it about Slipknot that was just too much? The the extremity of it, or the the vulgarity of the lyrics? I think. I mean, it was. I think just the extremity of it. I mean, I'd listened to a few. There were a few new metal bands around that I'd listened to at that point. Sort of like Cornered put out a couple of albums at that point. But that first Slipknot album, when that dropped, with that opening double kick drum on that, is it sick? The first track. Yeah. Oh, that at the time blew my mind like and I don't think I'd heard I mean I was aware that death metal existed um, mm-hmm. like my sister had a couple of old debates and they were into that sort of stuff but that was the first one I can remember getting into something that heavy or heavy at the time obviously um, and yeah my parents not liking it probably helped quite a lot <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but 
but yeah, they, them I was that Slipknot was the first one I probably would be like that was my 15, 16 year old damn band crush definitely same thing <laughs> I, uh, my, and my mother did not like Slipknot but she did appreciate the drumming so so oh, nice. mad props yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and rest in peace Joey Jordison for bringing extreme drumming to the forefront of music uh, without him who knows how many of these new bands that are out there wouldn't have started playing these these extreme drummer kids so, well, so yeah, yeah, massive exactly. cheers oh, to yeah. Joey for oh, doing right. what he did cheers to Joey I was very very lucky that I picked up the first record or a friend of the group shout out to Vince uh, picked up that first record of Slipknot and then the week later they were coming through Montreal it was like this weird happenstance one of those things and it was that first one of their first tours they were opening it was uh, Cold Chamber headlining Machine Head and Slipknot <laughs> opening and Slipknot <laughs> ate everyone alive it was, oh, I was terrified it was wonderful I can't, Im- I can't <laughs> imagine Slipknot opening for Cold Chamber now That'd be, that's incredible it didn't make sense in Montreal <laughs> but... no no no, no I've spoken I mean... to other people that had seen that tour too and they all said the same thing that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slipknot ate them alive that night I think I saw the one that on their first tour leads back in yeah that album just ridiculous most ridiculous thing I've seen live at that point was Slipknot <laughs> let's talk about shows yeah. your first show do you remember the first show that you went to go see I imagine it's one of those punk rock shows that you were mentioning earlier yeah so I mean I'd been to a couple of things like a couple of festivals that they put on locally with sort of my mum and dad and my sister and then I think the first the first proper show I could remember going to see, I think it was probably New Metal before Punk, but it would have been New Metal show in Leeds that was, that was mainly UK band, so I don't know if you know this, but it was One Minute Silence, hmm. Earth, to- Earth Tone 9, and li- a band called Linear 77. They all have numbers. <laughs> yeah, they all have numbers. I think Linear 77 were on either Roadrunner or Eric at the time, I can't remember, but... Um, that was that was the first show me and my mate from school went to no parents all new metal bands circle pits excellent <laughs> <laughs> how about your first time on stage that was so that was a band I f- did in high school with the same mate who went to the gig um, so that would have been at the primrose uh, pub in Leeds which is a tiny little pub it's not even really a venue you sort of move the tables out the way and put a PA system in the corner um, as all the regulars hide through in the other room. Uh, but yeah, so that was with my sort of high school band, um, Ibosisk. Um, and that, yeah, I think we opened with a cover of Seasons in the Abyss and then followed that with Fade to Black, if I remember. I think there were a couple of Metallica songs in there, but I can't remember exactly what was in there. It was mainly covers. Amazing. And mainly sort of like parents and school friends in attendance. Well, no, it was good. It was uh, it was good fun. We thought we were great at the time, you know. We're, I don't know quite what that season's cover actually sounded like, but <laughs> it was great fun. I can say that I opened career with Slayer, so that's that one, you know. <laughs> you did well. You did well. <laughs> Let's talk about. I want to circle back to Edmund Anka. Um, you didn't get to get the dream release that you could have had. Now you have some shows coming up with Bosque and you got some shows coming up with Deluge, who I love. Um, but if you could have organized your own tour to put you in front of the perfect crowd so that uh, Dune could, could grow and, and capture those fans 
and they could become future fans. Um, what bands would be on that bill? Oh, um, Opeth. Oh yeah, Opeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would say Mastodon, so I'm going to put Mastodon in. But I'm going to say on a caveat that they go back and have to play like at least crack this game before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then oh, probably Tool for ultimate ultimate exposure. <laughs> you know. I would like that. That would be a very yeah, nice bill. I think I think it'd be a nice bill. Um, well, it would be a nice bill. You know, that's that would be, <laughs> be a ridiculous <laughs> bill for us to be playing on. <laughs> I agree. But, uh, yeah. I agree. I definitely feel though though those moments and, and listening to the record the first few times, I was like, oh, this reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. But then all in the all, the more that I kept digesting the record, and I'll come out and say it right now it's probably my album of the year honestly oh man it's probably the album that i've listened to the most this year that i've returned to listen to and uh, the thirsty thursday gang jerry monk who curates the vox and hops brutal awakenings playlist is the guy that introduced me to the record um jerry monk rules um he also thinks it's going to be on his year-end list <laughs> and uh it's just a killer record but you are so close to it and it's so far ago that you created this. Is there something about it that you don't like that you wish you could change? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, mate, thanks a lot. That's high praise, high praise indeed. Um, kind of blushing on my end here. Um, um, I don't know. That's a tough one because because we've had so long to sit back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we did actually end up because we ended up knowing it wasn't coming out. We ended ended up going back and remixing a couple of. A couple really? of things, okay. um, just just to tweak a bit, as, as, as you say, when you sat on something that long. Oh yeah. Um, and, and at the start of net last year, we then knew it wasn't. We had another nine months at least before it was dropping. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, because everything's still so fresh, we've still yet to play eight out of ten of these tracks live mm-hmm. at all. Uh, they've still almost got some life to sort of be breathed into them by us doing that because stuff always tends to change and we tend to like sometimes recompose a few bits and pieces for actually doing them live um but no i mean i mean there's definitely stuff we've sort of gone we'll maybe do a few bits different next time how we're re-recording the drums or bits and pieces but i think right right now we're just sort of very much enjoying it being out um and yeah i mean right i mean maybe tweak a couple of guitars but apart from that like we're very happy with it um and sort of great to see um, everyone else sort of feel the same at the moment. At first listen through, I there's these moments, the interludes that go through. There's moments I'm like, is this over? <laughs> I, and then, oh no, it's not. Okay, there's more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened to me a few times. I was like, because it gets real quiet, like real quiet, especially if I'm like cooking in the kitchen and I'm playing it in the living room. Oh yeah, which yeah. Was you can't, you can't how have I discovered it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> a bit long winded in those areas, but I love it. And I gotta I gotta tell you, like the riff of the album for me is Court of the Matriarchs. That tapping thing that goes and comes back and then comes back heavier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. I I, I was sitting down right before recording this with my wife and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm talking to that band, you know, that band I listen to all the time and I put the song and she was like, Oh yeah, I know that song. You play it all the time. But <laughs> 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 But it's not an album where it is about songs. It's about an album. You guys have created something that is not standard in uh, the modern age. Of You've created an album. 
yeah. con- it's like I don't know it's, I imagine there's a concept behind it I didn't read into that but it feels like an album it's meant to be listened to in its whole in its entirety versus just a single uh, aspect which is rare in, in modern music yeah definitely and that's sort of the aim we've had on this and the sort of album previous to it as well is that it is there is a sort of I mean lyrically there's the sort of concept running through start to finish I mean each track has its own sort of place but then it's very much done as as you say as a whole and Mm -hmm. we very much push it as we listen to it as a whole it'll make more sense Mm -hmm. as a whole the tracks are great but start to finish is and yeah there's there's a sort of arguments that go on as you probably know yourself during recording of exactly what's going to go where but i think usually by the time we sort of have the tracks ready to go into the studio we already have an idea of the order usually when writing them as well there'll they'll be the order already going down and those sort of ideas um and then that also influences all the lyrics as well because usually the music mu- the music's all done usually before we start doing the lyrics because mm-hmm. because otherwise you're suddenly writing lyrics on a track that then end up track eight At instead of track two it's, <laughs> it's a pain in the ass i can yeah, tell yeah, you that yeah, I've, yeah. Worked, yeah. I've worked in that <laughs> way before and i don't work that way anymore so yeah a linear concept is very difficult versus an umbrella concept where you can just talk about it doesn't matter if it makes sense from a to z yeah for sure for <laughs> sure whereas this one has to be this one's very a to z and yeah there's a lot of it's it's a lot because we already know so if a track's going to be heavy then it's like i can start mm-hmm. writing lyrics for that because I have a vague idea of it's going to be heavy, so the lyrics don't have to be pleasant or they can be a bit meaner. <laughs> but apart from that, it's usually yeah, waiting till we've got a sort of concept agreed upon to then go through. Um, it, so- it sounds like you write lyrics as a team. Is that something that happens? Yeah, so what will generally happen is we'll sort of go in and discuss what we're wanting to do as a sort of concept and have a night sort of sat down doing that. Um, I'll then go away and usually sort of flesh out a load of backstory and content and characters and bits and pieces and sort of do the initial run of lyrics. Um, and then on the last album especially, uh, Victor's had a lot more input um, with a lot of the lyrics as well. So that last one's probably sort of like 50-50 um, on who wrote exactly what, but we'll both be working on like the same songs lyric-wise and stuff because there's a lot of back and forth between our two vocals anyway. Um, and then it's also also because Victor's French, mm-hmm. he then isn't working in his first language, exactly, yes. which is quite interesting as well. Because I'll write, a, I can maybe write a line, and then he'll be like, "Oh, I can do that like that." And he doesn't pronounce it in ex- any of the way that I would have thought, and that can sometimes then needs change, or sometimes it's that's better, and it's it's quite nice. Um, it's yeah, but yeah, it's very much a sort of combined effort. Um, Usually over of a few beers and a few late night, <laughs> late night sessions, <laughs> pouring over the odd thesaurus or two. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Sounds like yeah. like, a, like a perfect night for me. You guys also <laughs> added a keyboardist. Yeah, on this yeah. album. Yeah. So on the, um, I imagine in the past there was samples going, and when you played live, there was samples running. But now you've brought. Yeah. So on the the album previous on a sharing where there was sort of a few bits of synth and stuff we'd used on the recording that were just there as a very ambient sort of stuff just to add a bit of extra sort of texture to that um, but at that point we didn't use really any of the samples live or unless basically we could create the same thing using sort of guitars and the effects pedals and okay, stuff cool. we had yeah. we had on there um, 
but yeah, then for this album, we very much decided we sort of wanted to push that whole like keys and synth element. Um, not necessarily to the very forefront, but so it's actually an instrument in its own right. Um, and then, so Victor basically wrote and recorded all the keys in the in the studio. And then since then, we now have um, Evelyn, who's come in to play keys for us sort of live. So she will have, she's, it's, it's, again, it's an odd one because she's now been playing with us a year and a half. I'm, she's not played a gig yet, so yeah. So she that has must a, suck. yeah. So she well, she had the first gig with us in what were we on there? So three weeks, I think. So <laughs> so it's exciting. So yeah. So we've had that new lineup. Sort of. It's all yeah. Next gigs should be all sorts of new stuff. Fantastic. It's been a long time that you're waiting to get back on stage. Uh, I'm very, very lucky that I have the podcast where right before I sit down here, I'm always concerned if I'm prepared enough, am I going to connect? Am I going to fuck things up? I get that little jitter that I would normally get before stepping on stage. Um, How have you been filling the void of performing live? I don't know if it'd be so much filling the void because I don't think there's anything that's really replaced that sort of feeling of being in front of a crowd and playing live. Um, I mean, we've done, as I say, we've done a few sort of tape sessions and studios, and they've been and they've been fun. They've been good, good fun. But it's not, it's again not quite the same. Um, I mean, myself, I've done a lot of painting of Warhammer figures <laughs> in the last really? year. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's and um, which doesn't help band wise at all. But it's got me through about a year or so of living inside by myself. So <laughs> amazing! I have a friend. I have a friend that's really into that. Shout out to Simon. He was at that Slipknot show with me. He was there that first beers. <laughs> uh, he's got a whole studio in his basement. I just visited him a few weeks ago. Oh, fantastic! And he's got like a whole whole studio set up for painting Warhammer figures. Nice, nice. I've not got that advanced, but I'm definitely more more than I was at the start of lockdown. <laughs> Can, can you show us one? Do you have one hand nearby? Something you're proud of? Because I, I know so much work goes into these. Take the time. It's okay. I'll need to nip up. This is my big... Uh, oh, hell yes. Titan. He's currently missing an arm, though, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, it's a hard it. one. They're all magnetized, so it falls to bits. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, basically, Warhammer and relearning video editing, uh, which I used to do a lot of when I was sort of younger, and then sort of got that back on the go. And... Um, bought myself a camera so hopefully once stuff's actually opened up again a bit it's i can start doing that with a few more other bands and stuff very cool so we're mainly mainly apart from warhammer basically picked up further hobbies that are only really useful if live music's happening <laughs> so. so so that's actually very cool so so you want to take becoming a person that bands would hit up to create music videos for them basically yeah exactly exactly i mean I'm a, cool. I'm a web developer by trade so but it's it'd be nice to do a bit more bit more of that on the side um but it was uh, definitely needed a bit of practice you had the time so you used that time creatively and constructively which is better than destructively so good for you because it could have gone either way what kept what kept you saying during uh, apart from the podcast, obviously, yeah, <laughs> the podcast and my kids. That's it. Yeah, oh, fantastic. But I've been working the whole time too, so. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. 
that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I do like creating collab beers. I just released 22 of them uh, back in June where I teamed up uh, metal breweries with past guests from the podcast, the Vox and Hops alumni, uh, for an event called Brutal North America. Um, If you could create a beer for Dune, what style of beer would it be and what would you call it? Oh, so we'd probably all disagree about this. Um, <laughs> I, love, <laughs> <laughs> I love when that happens. So, but I'd probably drink most out of anyone, so I'd, I'll, I'll, I'll make the decider. Um, I mean, I don't know. We'd probably have to go for something really cheesy and do, like, tune-themed and... I mean, quite like Arrakis. Or I know, we will do that. Like the spice melange and make it a re- weird, spicy uh, sour, seems though that's what I'm currently drinking and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call it? Um, so that's what I mean. We could go for like melange, because then, but then we'd probably risking a bit too much from the Herbert uh, family of pushing the gene gene branding. <laughs> so um, yeah, definitely something weird, sci-fi themed, slightly pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Craft beer has to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Nice, nice hand-drawn tin. As we. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and a, a brewery, if it, if you could pick a brewery that you'd like to work with. Because we're up in Edinburgh as a band, we'd go for uh, Williams Brothers, who's probably one of my favorite sort of Scottish brewers from up that end. Very cool. I will definitely, definitely hunt them out next time. I always end up just finding a brew dog, which is an easy it's solution an easy, it's an easy when I'm on tour. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> it's right there. Uh, so I go, but next time I'll go check that out. <laughs> uh, let's wrap this up. One last question. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're very busy painting Warhammer figures. <laughs> but every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Uh... Bloody Mary, for sure, um, and then joint and early nineties anime. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so so much for taking the time having to chat with me, talking about your life, music, and craft beer. Uh, it really really very happy that we connected uh, huge fan i'm excited for you to come to north america you come through montreal we're gonna hang out if i'm on tour over there i want to play a festival with you i want to hang out i want to watch dune live everyone please go listen to edaman anka came out via metal blade records on march 19th it's going to be on everyone's year-end lists just so damn good daniel thank you so much thank you very much sir that's been excellent cheers for having me cheers cheers Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. 
Man, was this ever a great conversation. I absolutely love this new Dune record. I recorded this interview uh, a few months ago, honestly, and I just keep listening to the record. It's one of those records that I just keep going back to. And uh, in a year where there was just so much amazing music released, this Dune record, I'm telling you, it's there at the top of my list. It's still there. I love it. Uh, Daniel, thank you so, so much for taking the time to have a chat with me. I can't wait to hang out with you again in the future. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that by going to my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I've dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as any pertinent information for any projects that I have in the works, as well as the links to any upcoming Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs, and, of course, the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is available on both Apple Music and Spotify. There is just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. So please, please sign up to that mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be back on Friday with a brand new episode but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.